Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome, Ram fans. This is episode 41 of Rams Up. We will be previewing the Ram-Giant game. That's our primary focus today. Got some other good stuff, too, though. We're going to touch on the Dodgers. We're going to have our Rams Up straight-up Week 6 NFL picks. And in that Game Picks segment, we will have our Power Rankings, limited to the Elite Eight. And we also have our Mount Rushmore of Ram haters. You don't want your profile on this mountain unless you really take pride in hating the Rams. And by the way, there seems to be a lot more of that recently, and I take that as a good sign. And lastly, we have another pet peeve, this one regarding a specific quarterback stat that we are all getting wrong. Let's get through the Dodgers up front here. Game 5, Thursday night, Dodgers at the Giants. After the Dodgers survive on Tuesday night with a 7-2 win, Thursday night it will be 25-year-old Julio Urias versus 24-year-old Logan Webb. Julio already has seven playoff wins at 25 years old. Webb was 11-3 on the year, Julio 20-3. Webb shut out the Dodgers for seven and two-thirds innings in the opening game of this series. And after that game, Dave Roberts called out his hitters for their undisciplined approach, very un-Dodger-like batting approach in that game, swinging at pitches outside the strike zone. If they can get that squared away, the second go-round Dodgers have a good chance of winning this game. If the Dodgers win, they'll be off to Atlanta The Braves, the winners of the NL East, took care of the Brewers. Freddie Freeman hitting the game-winning home run. You gotta love Freddie Freeman. Uh, That guy is just so likable. If you don't like Freddie Freeman, you are a flawed human being. I remember last year in the playoffs, he accidentally spiked Justin Turner. And the look on his face, so apologetic. Gotta love Freddie Freeman. I'm not going to get into this John Gruden fiasco. I don't think that's why you're here. However, the Rams did get dragged into it. One of the things Gruden did was insinuate that Roger Goodell pressured Jeff Fisher into drafting Michael Sam, who was openly gay, of course. Fisher felt compelled to respond and essentially said, hey, I draft players based on their abilities, not their sexual orientation, and nobody pressured me to draft Michael Sam. Our Ram Giant preview follows, but a couple things worth noting. Darius Williams is on IR, short-term IR, so he will miss at least three games. Tremaine Ankrum has been activated to take his spot, and... Daniel Jones apparently is on track to play. I think that's a bad move. They should just sit him down with all the guys they have hurt, throw him out there against this Ram defense. 
I think they have a slim chance of winning this game. Yes, a better chance with Daniel Jones playing, but hey, just sit the guy down. That looked really bad last week when he wobbled off the field. Next up, our Ram Giant preview. Let's preview this upcoming Ram Giant game. Giants come in one and four, Rams four and one. This is one team the Rams have actually done pretty well against over the years. First time they played was 1938. And even though the Giants won seven straight between 2002 and 2016, the Rams have a 28 and 17 edge overall. The Rams have won the last two, including a 51-17 drubbing in 2017 in New York. That was the game Jared Goff threw for four TDs. That ended that losing streak I was referring to. In fact, before that thrashing, the Rams hadn't beaten the Giants since 2001 when it banged up Kurt Warner and the Rams beat the Giants 15-14. If I remember correctly, that was the game... Warner hurt his thumb. I remember that game because it was one of the last times I followed a game on the radio. I think we were playing paintball out in Newhall. Darn kids. Memorable games between these two? Well, I've talked about this before. It has to be the Flipper game, 1989 divisional round playoff game in New York. Jim Everett hit Flipper Anderson for a 30-yard touchdown pass to end the game. That was a game Flipper just kept on running through the end zone, down the tunnel, never saw him again. Their early odds on this game was Rams by 10.5. I was surprised it's actually posted until we know about some of these injured giants, especially Daniel Jones. Talk about that in a minute. Games at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Extended forecast shows 68 degrees, mostly sunny. There's showers expected on Saturday, so... Let's hope they don't linger in to Sunday. A little bit of background on the Giants. Last year, they were 6-10. and 10. They actually had a shot at winning that division on the last weekend of football last year. Ended up being officially second place in NFL's worst division, the NFC East. Coaches Joe Judge, his second year. Last year, they were 31st in yards per game on offense, Defense, they're middle of the pack. I think their defense is actually better than that. As all us Ram fans know, when your offense kind of sucks, you can have a pretty darn good defense, but statistically it's going to wear you down and it's not going to look good. When your offense is three and out, three and out, three and out, by the end of the game, your defense is yielding a lot of yards. Their most notable draft pick this year was Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver out of Florida. He's starting to come on. He had 14 yards over his first two games, 268 yards over his last two, including that 10-catch, 189-yard performance against Dallas. He got ejected late in that game for throwing a punch. They're key players now. When you go down this list of key players, we got to mention a lot of them are not going to be available. Daniel Jones had an obvious concussion against the Cowboys. 
I'd really be surprised if he played. Suquan Barkley, mild ankle sprain, I'd be surprised if he played. Jones would be replaced by Mike Glennon, Barkley by Devontae Booker. Kenny Galladay, one of their big free agent pickups, the wide receiver, he's potentially out. Two top defenders on that team, Leonard Williams, the defensive end, 11 and a half sacks last year, one of the best in the business, and cornerback James Bradbury, a 2020 Pro Bowler. You may remember him. He had a sack and an interception in the 2019 season opener against the Rams. That was when he was with Carolina. He has 13 career interceptions. They also have the expatriate on the offensive line, Nate Solder. We already talked about all the Giants injuries. Well, we didn't get to all of them. Sterling Sharp and Jabril Peppers have also been out. Unclear on if they will be available. Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, will likely be back. On the Rams side, it's really about Darius Williams. He will be out. I would expect that means the Rams activate Dante Dion or Kareem Orr or perhaps Tyler Hall from the practice squad. Or maybe two of the three. If it were up to me, I would activate Dion and Orr. We've only been carrying four cornerbacks as it is, which I thought is really strange. But I think it'd be really risky just activating Orr or Dion. So Darius goes on short-term IR. And regardless of who they pull up from the practice squad, I expect Robert Rochelle will be the guy for the time being. No real Ram connections on this current Giant roster, although there are two USC alumni of note. Leonard Williams, a defensive end we mentioned, and the cornerback, Adoree Jackson, is with the Giants now. What have the Giants done so far this year? Well, they've lost to the Broncos, 27-13. Could not run the ball against that stout Bronco defense. They lost to the Washington football team, 30-29. That was a game where Daniel Jones outrushed Saquon Barkley. Then they lost to Atlanta 17-14. They beat the Saints in overtime 27-21. Daniel Jones threw for over 400 yards. And then they lost to the Cowboys last week 44-20. Giants were banged up going in and they were even more banged up coming out of that game. What are my fearsome four keys to the game? Well, fearsome key number one, let's just show up. And I don't mean to be disparaging towards the Giants on that. I mean, let's show up ready to play, take this game seriously. If I'm McVay, I'm showing this team tape of that Ramjet game last year. In fact, I might sit them down and make them watch the entire game. Let's fly out to New York, show up ready to play, take this game seriously. It's not a gimme. The Giants still have some very good football players, even as banged up as they are. This team can beat you. If you take them lightly. For some key number two, no freebies for the Giants. No kick returns, no pick sixes. Lock down that young wide receiver, Tony. He is a weapon and he's starting to look very good with the ball in his hands. Lock down the Giants return game. Hang on to the ball. No freebies for the Giants. For some key number three, a lot of times when you play teams like this, If you let them hang around, they start to think they can beat you, and they're going to give you their best shot. So we need to score early, finish drives early, and take the heart out of this team, get up two or three touchdowns by halftime, leave no doubt at halftime who's going to win this game. And for some key number four, 
Just be disciplined. No silly penalties to ruin drives. Don't get beat deep. Hang on to the football. All those basic fundamental things that add up to disciplined football. So none of these keys to the game are really earth-shattering. There's not one aspect of the game that the Rams have to focus on to beat the Giants. They just need to show up, don't give anything away, finish drives early, and play disciplined football. My prediction is Rams 30, Giants 16. The Rams do not have a lockdown defense quite yet. I think the Giants will manage to find their way into the end zone once. Probably manage two or three field goals, but I fully expect the Rams to dominate this game. Could get out of hand early, but I'll stick with 30 to 16 Rams. I have another sports pet peeve for you this week, and this has to do with a particular stat in the National Football League. My issue is this. We blame quarterbacks for interceptions when we shouldn't. We saw this in the Kansas City-Buffalo game on Sunday night. Patrick Mahomes hit Tyreek Hill in the hands with a pass, popped off his hands, interception for the Buffalo Bills. And the stat line will show Patrick Mahomes threw an interception. And I think that's a disservice to us and to the quarterback. I think we need an official score in football. This happens more than you think, and I think we can do better, and I think it's a pretty easy fix. All you need is an official score. You have a stats keeper there already for the NFL for the various media outlets. They're all tracking stuff. Assign one of them as the official scorer. And if it's not the quarterback's fault, don't give him an interception. Now that means we'll need a new stat. That new stat can simply be team turnover. Pretty easily done. And I'd expand it beyond these situations where it's the receiver's fault. I would also apply it to Hail Mary's. I have seen quarterbacks throw two Hail Marys in a game at the end of each half, and the ball gets intercepted. Is that really the same thing as throwing a really bad pass, an errant pass in the first quarter on your team's first possession, throwing it right at a linebacker you didn't see? No, it isn't. And This also hurts certain quarterbacks more than others. If you're on a really good team, you're not throwing Hail Marys. You're not going to have receivers making as many bad plays that create interceptions. How many times did Joe Montana throw a Hail Mary that was intercepted? I'm not sure that ever happened. Whereas the Jared Goffs of the world, it's happened a number of times. So pretty easy fix. The downside is we can't go back and change stats from previous seasons. I I, I suppose we could, but that would take thousands of hours of reviewing tape. That's not going to happen. Actually, this change isn't going to happen. We know that. But it still bugs me. I can whine a little bit here. Don't give quarterbacks interceptions when they did their job. 
They found their receiver and they threw a precise pass right at their guy. And for some reason it was intercepted. No fault of his own. Or if a quarterback was purposely throwing a ball up for grabs in the end zone on a Hail Mary, someone from the other team happens to come down with it. That's not an interception that should be blamed on the quarterback. He did his job, threw it up for grabs, makes no sense, giving him an interception on those plays. We need an official score. Easy fix. Let's do it. Not holding out hope here. Don't expect this to happen any century soon. Okay, Ram fans, another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, by the way, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for giant cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 years old, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. get to our ramps up straight up picks for week six before we do that though i would like to share with you my updated power rankings not my entire power rankings i'm not going to go one through 32 i'm going to share my elite eight with you and i think i have this pretty squared up and i'm going to say right off the bat the two teams right outside my elite eight are the baltimore ravens and the kansas city chiefs The Chiefs, I still think they're one of the best teams in the league, but hey, prove it, man. That did not look good last week. And the Ravens, impressive win, but remember, they were down big to the 1-3, now 1-4 Indianapolis Colts. So I'm not sure what to think about them either. But my Elite Eight, everybody's going to have the Buffalo Bills number one, and so do I. I have had them number one. For a couple of weeks now, I never had the Cardinals at number one. Bills are there. And I think two through eight, you could mix these up and reorder them any way you want. And you could make valid arguments for any order you choose. But I think I have it down pretty good. I have the Cardinals at number two, the only undefeated team in the league. I have the Rams at number three and the Chargers at four. I saw the Rams as low as eight and one power pole. I got them at three. 
Call me biased. Guilty as charged. Charges for Bucks at 5, Packers at 6, Cowboys at 7, and the Browns at 8. And I feel pretty good about that order. I can defend that pretty well, I think. One of these episodes, I'll go 1 through 32, but but do we really care if the Lions are higher than the Giants or not? Are the Jags above the Jets? I don't really care. There's about eight teams already that I have totally discounted, so I'm not going to spend our time on that. Let's get to our straight-up picks. Bucks at Eagles on Thursday night. I'm taking the Bucks. I expect that to be closer than people think. I think the Bucks are favored by seven. Dolphins at Jags. Man, the Dolphins have really disappointed me. This could be a spot where the Jags get their first win, but I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I don't feel real good about that pick, though. Chargers at Ravens. This is a tough trip for the Chargers. They're the better team right now. The Ravens have some magic going on with Lamar Jackson, but he's also fumbling the ball in really bad spots. I think the Chargers keep rolling. I'm going to give them the win. Chiefs at the Washington football team. Two teams that have really been disappointing. Washington giving up a ton of points. is supposed to be a defensive juggernaut. Chiefs struggling in almost every facet. I'm going to take the Chiefs, though. Texans and Colts. They have to be disheartened with that result Monday night. But on the other hand, they, for the most part, played very well. I'm taking the Colts. Vikings at Panthers. This is a coin flip game for me. Vikings could still make a run at a wild card spot. The Panthers were in great shape until that blocked punt last week. I'm going to take the Panthers at home. Packers at Bears. Bears showing signs of life. Packers need to put an end to that. I'll take the Packers. Rams at Giants. How dare you ask. Bengals at Lions. Boy, man, are the Lions the most snake-bit team in the league right now. I'll take the Bengals. Don't be surprised if the Lions find a way to win, though, and celebrate like there's no tomorrow. Cardinals at Browns. Game of the week, perhaps? I'm going to take the Browns. Cardinals have some chinks in their armor, I believe. Browns, they're a good team. I sold them short before the season. Take the Browns at home. Raiders at Broncos. Wow, the Raiders got so much going on right now. Can they rebound? Things were looking so good for them just a few weeks ago. 3-0 and and Chucky leading the way. And now all of a sudden, two straight losses and their head coach is gone. Broncos defense will clamp down, I'm thinking, and get a win there. Cowboys at Patriots. I was going to take the Cowboys as my survivor pick, and I chickened out. Patriots have beat them, I think, six straight times, and they get the Cowboys at home. I think it'll be closer than you think, but I'm going with the Cowboys. Seahawks at Steelers. This is a really tough game to even talk about. What do we have with the Seahawks and Geno Smith? Does the rest of the team step it up without Russell? This is the type of game where typically the Seahawks would find some way to win. Something crazy will happen at the end of the game, and they pull it off but I'm taking the Steelers at home. I think the Seahawks are going to struggle. And I think Najee Harris could steamroll them for 140 yards. Bills at Titans. Bills are the best team in football right now, and it's not even open to discussion. Still can't figure out how they lost to the Steelers on opening day. 
Maybe they thought it was their fourth preseason game, but I'm taking the Bills on the road. Last week, by the way, I had a very good week, 12-4. and four. Pete Prisco and Lorenzo Reyes, two of the other guys I'm tracking, both went 13-3, and three, though, so I actually lost ground on them. I gained ground on Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. He went 11-5. and five. What really bit me last week was I was the only one of the four who picked the Chiefs over the Bills. I really thought the Chiefs would be in desperation mode. Maybe that's an overstatement, but I really thought they would come ready to play. We'd see the old Chiefs and they'd find a way to win, but it didn't happen, so that hurt me. So right now, Lorenzo has 53 correctly picked. Mike has 50, I have 49, and Pete Prisco 48. My survivor pick this week, I was going to pick the Cowboys on the road over the Patriots, checking out. Then I thought, hey, I'll take Pittsburgh at home over the Seahawks, but I just don't know what we have with the Seahawks. Seahawks are just one of those teams that I still hesitate to pick against. I've been taking some risks over a couple weeks, kind of playing with house money. So far, my survivor picks have been the Panthers, Browns, Broncos, Bengals, and Falcons. Not a great list of Super Bowl frontrunners there. This week, I'm going to play it safe, though. I'm going to take the Rams. I think you're going to have to take the Rams one of the next two or three weeks because they're going to go on a tough run after that. And I'm also taking the Rams as my bet of the week. Last week, I had the Cowboys minus seven over the Giants. I won that. This week, I'm taking the Rams to cover 10 and a half because do you really think the Giants will be within 14 points of the Rams? I don't think so. I hope I'm right. But I'm 5-0 and in the Survivor League. I've won two of my three bets. This week, my Survivor picked the Rams. And my bet of the week, Rams minus 10.5. Next up, we will wrap up this episode with our Mount Rushmore of Ram haters. I was talking to my shy special assistant who knows everything but prefers to remain anonymous, and we were talking about how certain media personalities just seem to have it in for the Rams, just have this hatred for the Rams ingrained into them, and they cannot restrain themselves from sharing this hatred over and over and over again. And I got to thinking, Who is the Mount Rushmore of Ram haters? And it actually wasn't very difficult to identify four really good candidates, and they ended up being my Mount Rushmore of Ram haters. I do have one honorable mention that I'll get to first here. His profile will not be carved on the Mount Rushmore of Ram haters, but he's worth an aside here, and that's Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn is a radio personality here in Los Angeles. I just find it curious that he is never willing to give the Rams credit for their successes and is always joyful, it seems, in calling out their shortcomings. He was the one that recently said the 2018 Rams secondary was better than the 2021 version. He said that the Rams really only have one cornerback worth mentioning. I talked about this recently, so I won't go over it again. But but Johnson is worth mentioning here. 
primarily because he's a Southern California sports personality and, hey, you don't have to be a homer, but don't be the opposite either, okay? So who did make this Mount Rushmore of Ram haters? Well, number one is Rodney Harrison. Now, I don't know if you've been tracking this, but Harrison has been making predictions prior to NBC games for quite a while. If the Rams are involved, I can pretty much guarantee you who he's not picking. There was one game, I think it was early last year, where someone had been calling him out on Twitter about always picking against the Rams. And this was a game that the Rams were clearly favored. So what does Rodney do? Rodney says, hey, you know what? My uncle, or was it his brother, or was it his son or nephew? Someone else has been making all his picks for him. He's going to make this pick, and he's picking the Rams this one time. I'm not sure where this dislike for the Rams comes from, but I can point to two events in Harrison's history. One was that Trent Green play. Maybe Trent Green's knee left a pockmark on Harrison's soul, perhaps. And then there was a play, I believe it was 2015. Remember that hit LaMarcus Joyner had on Teddy Bridgewater? This was Harrison's response to that. That's a dirty hit. It's a cheap shot right to the helmet. I wasn't surprised because it happened to me in 2006. Bobby Wade came and chopped my knees, tore my knee up. I'm lying on the ground and I look at Jeff Fisher and he's smiling and laughing. So this is typical of Jeff Fisher type teams. The Bobby Wade reference confused me, but the rest of it I get. Fisher had a pretty good response. He said, this is coming from a guy that had 18 unnecessary roughness penalties, seven personal fouls, four roughing the passer penalties, a total of 77 penalties in his career, and was suspended for a hit, a helmet-to-helmet hit on Jerry Rice in 2002. This is where these comments are coming from. So for Rodney to come out and say that I did something like that is absolutely absurd. So maybe it's between this LaMarcus Joyner, Jeff Fisher event and the Trent Green event and being blamed for a dirty hit on Trent Green. I can only guess, but Rodney certainly doesn't like the Rams. Next up is Terry Bradshaw. I've never heard Bradshaw say something complimentary about the Rams. Every prediction I have heard him make regarding the Rams isn't just against the Rams. He manages to disparage them at the same time. The best example, of course, we all know about that Seattle game last year before the Rams traveled up there for that wildcard playoff game. Well, you know what? Terry still owes someone a horse because it was a miracle the Rams won. How can an NFL expert not recognize that the Rams had a pretty darn good chance of beating Seattle again? Terry just doesn't have it in him. I can excuse so-called media experts pulling this BS, but an ex-player, a Super Bowl champion, hired by a network to provide expert insight, Terry, put aside whatever your grievances are against the Rams, and do your job better. Third up on Mount Rushmore for Ram haters is Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Now, I don't know what Florio's issue is with McVeigh and the Rams. He clearly has an issue with McVeigh. And by the way, Florio apparently is a good friend of Rodney Harrison. 
maybe that has something to do with it. Florio has alluded to the fact or fantasy that that the Rams better watch out for the Chargers. The Chargers are going to be LA's team. They are the team that is going to rise above the Rams and take the heart of Los Angeles. Hey, that could be true, but I don't know why he spends so much time writing about this or suggesting it. So I don't know. Florio obviously has an issue with McVeigh. Something happened between those two. I don't know what. I'm not going to dig up through all the Pro Football Talk articles. And hopefully I'm not giving PFT too much of a plug here. It's actually a pretty good site. You just got to understand the biases that exist. And there is one clear one, Florio against the Rams and Sean McVay. Fourth up, Skip Bayless, Fox Sports personality. He's a big Cowboy fan. He has a long history of comments against the Rams. I don't know why exactly. The most recent one, the Rams go to Seattle Thursday night and beat the Rams. Hostile environment. Defending divisional champs. The defending champs of your division. And you smack them down in the second half. Don't play your best game, but you come out of there with the win. Clearly the better team. And so they're given the Rams 1 through 10 stars for their performance. Bayless gives them 2 stars. Now, that situation, you're going into a hostile environment, playing the defending champs of your division, and you come out with a win. you got to start with a six skip and work your way up from there. Minimum six. A two? Are you kidding me? He also had to chime in additionally, if Wilson stays in that game, the Seahawks win. Even though Geno put up 10 points and played pretty well. Wilson does not have his best performances against the Rams. It's one of two things. Skip isn't paying attention, or he just cannot resist taking shots at the Rams or promoting whoever is playing them. There may be a Texas-California thing going on here or a Dallas-LA thing going on. One complimentary comment Bayless had about that game is he said, Aaron Donald is flashing this year. This year. Yeah, he said Aaron Donald is flashing this year, so that's a good sign. Okay, let's forget the NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards he won. Wasn't flashing those years, apparently, but he's flashing now, so that's a good sign. And Bayless also ranked the top 10 NBA players of all time recently. Number nine, LeBron James. All-time NBA player, LeBron James. Now, if that's not an indication of maybe an anti-LA bias, perhaps, I, I don't know. I think it is. You can hate on LeBron all you want. You can say, yes, Michael Jordan is number one. But if you're not putting LeBron James as number two, you lose all credibility. Or perhaps it's just your bias is becoming more evident than ever. But we have to recognize what Bayless is all about. Bayless is all about throwing out incredibly ludicrous opinions at times. Kind of a Stephen A. Smith thing going on here. He's going to throw out stuff that makes no sense sometimes. It's kind of like clickbait. I don't know. (laughs) But in this case, it's more than that. He's obviously got something against the Rams and or Los Angeles. So he gets the final spot on the 
Mount Rushmore of Ram Haters. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.